Are you the artist who hasn't painted since college or the author who never seems to finish the manuscript? Maybe you're the entrepreneur who let another year slip by without launching their startup. Or you're the singer who can't bear the thought of stepping out of the rehearsal room and onto the stage. If you're 40, 50, 60, even 70 years old and you're thinking, man, this sounds an awful lot like me, then you're in luck because I've created this podcast just for you. On this show, we're going to help creative types and entrepreneurs to kickstart the dreams they let go of many years ago when they got married, started a family, and embarked on their careers, better known as their J-O-Bs. We're going to deconstruct that negative feedback loop that's been fueling your fear, uncertainty, and doubt for decades. And finally, we're going to give you, the caller, and the listeners actionable takeaways, things that you can do right now to help put you on the track to living the lives you were born to live. At this point, the question we should be asking is, if not now, when? My name is Doug Taylor, and this is the Third Quarter Gut Check. On this show, our goal is to help those that are 40, 50, 60, even 70 years old to get unstuck and get on the right track to living the lives they were born to live. Whether you're starting a band, doing humanitarian work, launching a startup, or in the case of our next guest, inventing a new sport. Steve Strangio is a writer and producer. He's also the inventor of Zoneball. Zoneball's been featured on ESPN2, was also part of the Moxie Games, which were held at the Rio Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, my old stomping ground. He's also the host of the podcast, Steve's Trivia, which can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Doug. Awesome intro. I appreciate that. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure, Steve. I, you know why? Because I'm so fired up. Vegas, Rio Hotel Casino, Moxie Games, yeah. ESPN2, a brand new yeah. sport being introduced to the world. I mean, Steve, man, this is the American dream. <laughs> I mean, it really the American is. American dream that I, I've been after this for a while now. It's a, There's a, a long backstory, but I'm sure we have time to get into that. Well, you know what? Like most dreams and anything really worth pursuing it does sometimes take a long while to get to where we are. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen overnight. You always hear about the 20-year the overnight success story. Yep, yep. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that Morgan Freeman, the guy who was like, yeah, yeah, overnight success. And I, it, it, it was a long road. It was a long road. But Absolutely. I still enjoyed every step of it. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You know, I just recently heard something that Rodney Dangerfield apparently was very bitter that he yeah. um, didn't really, quote-unquote, make it until he was much older, like in his late 50s. Yeah. And, so, and yeah. apparently he was very bitter about that. And I would think, man, I don't care what age it comes, as long as it comes. You know, I, I don't know. I actually played the stage um, of Dangerfields uh, when I was doing my, back in my stand-up comedy days when I was much younger. I was actually on stage when I was like 17, 18 years old. And um, I heard the story of Rodney. I mean, he was, you know, Jack Roy originally. Yes, yeah. Became a character. He had to do a paradigm shift when it came to how he was approaching the audience. I guess for a long time, he wanted to be that one person and the audience was kind of telling him, no, we like you as this person. And I think he listened and that was paramount to him getting to where he was. Yeah, absolutely. So do you, do you know that that to be true that he was uh, apparently bitter that it took him so long to make it? I didn't actually know him personally. I think I only met him once um, at his place, um, didn't really, I'm only, only know his conjecture. I mean, when you hang around with a bunch of comedians, you hear stories. Yeah. So, uh, nothing that I can actually, you know, uh, fact check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, apparently it was in the wife had actually his, uh, ex-wife or the widow had said that, you know, about a year ago. I don't know. I read it somewhere about maybe six months or a year ago. So yeah, look, yeah, anyway, yeah. look, you come up with a new idea for a sport while you're what in your late twenties. You know, it sits on the shelf for two and a half decades. You know, a lot of listeners can relate to this, right? They have an idea, and uh, I think it was Thomas Edison that said it, uh, an idea or vision without execution is a hallucination. So at what point, you know, did you did you finally say, you know, 
I'm done. I'm doing this. I don't need anyone's permission. I'm going there. I'm doing this. You know, this thing was born, uh, zone ball, the sport that I invented, was born out of a uh, inline skating sport that I first invented um, back in the early 90s. I was kind of, um, I was living with my cousin and his wife in a, in a, in a small apartment uh, based in their house. Um, I was actually unemployed at the time, and I loved to watch ESPN, too. I was a really, really big fan of it. And I just kept watching and watching and watching. And, like, I grew up, you know, I'm the only child of an all-star soccer player. So uh, I used to watch my father, after the game, dissect the sport, dissect Uh the sport of soccer little by little. And it helped me create this analytical mind when it came to sports. And it just became a thing where I was like, all right, so I played soccer when I was a kid. Um, I was proud, you know, to be Tony Strangio's uh, only child who would play soccer. But soccer was a brand new sport back then. And I thought to myself, well, what if I just invented my own sport? So I had that dream ever since I was like a grade school kid, you know, uh, playing on the streets in in Oceanside, uh, Long Island. So I thought to myself, all right, I have this idea. Inline skating is really big right now. What can I do? How can I make this interesting? What kind of game can I create? And I kept thinking, I did a research study of all of the sports that are out there how the sports were invented, the history of basketball and football and baseball and where they came from. And then I kind of broke it down um, into strategy um, versus rules and checks and balances and what makes a game interesting. Um, And since I also came from the world of like improvisational acting and so on and so forth, when you do improvisational acting, you're not really making it up as you go along. You're working within a structure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I looked at the sport and I'm thinking – a sport is very much an improvisational story told in physicality through a structure. And I broke that down. I thought, well, instead of and having wait, the you goal... Were how old, you were how old at that point? I'd say I was about 22, 23 around there. Okay. And when the idea first came to you, you said you were in grade school. I mean, did you have entrepreneurial instincts at that age, from an early age? You know, at that age, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I was even like, we were inventing sports on the street, you know, we always came up with new ideas. I mean, you know, I was the first kid to play kickball at age eight. You know, in my yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I recently went back. Hey, to those were house. the good old days, Steve, right? I mean, where you actually were out after school and you didn't come back in until it was dark and that was it. You know, nowadays every kid comes home from school. It's sad, you know, they come home from school and they're on their iPhone or their iPad. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it, there is, you know, people are starting to get up and out uh, now, but for a long period of time, nobody was doing anything. And I grew up in a world where it was like, yeah, you came home. And then in my block, we had two places you could play the point, which was like at the point of our block or the back street. And that was obviously behind in a shaded area in a back street area. So we got yeah. to play and we got to do things. And I just kept saying, what if we played this? And what if we played that? And then we just kept inventing stuff. Um, and I kind of, that's pretty much where it began, like on the streets. Of, of Oceanside, Long Island, and it kind of it, it fostered until a little later in my life. Man, so so at what point do, did you take it to and say, "Listen, I'm going to make this"? You know, yeah. from the from the time that you were in your 20s until the time that you got later on in life, when this thing actually was born, when the prototype was made, you know, yeah. you had to certainly you know execute on the idea. At which point did you begin executing on the idea in earnest and say, you know what, no more, I'm not going to let it sit on the shelf. I'm actually going to build the prototype. I'm going to bring it to market. You know, when did you do that? So it starts with um, with Roller Clash, which became Roller Zone, which became Zone Ball. So Roller Clash, i.e., Roller Zone 
was the first time that I actually went to I went to a, a skating organization in uh, in Long Island and said, "Listen, I have this idea for a sport. There's a barrel in the center. It's a center goal, and you have to skate around and you have to shoot the ball into the goal." At the time, I didn't even know how to skate. I'll be honest with you. I knew how to roller skate. I couldn't inline skate. Right, right. But I learned. You know, I learned. I went out there and I kept learning. I was actually dating a speed skater at the time, so she taught me. So while we were playing that game, it it went around for a while. I literally got a letter of intent from ESPN2. Um, the guy who invented the X Games um, sent me a letter of intent. Said, "Get this sport up and running, and we'll broadcast it on a worldwide basis." Well, unfortunately, it never happened. We did play a bunch of games, but then inline skating kind of went by the wayside. And here I, I had this brand new sport. I didn't know what to do with it, so I kind of like took a step back, and I went back into reinvention mode. And I kept inventing new sports. I kept inventing all these kind. Of, I mean, just doing more research and finding out what worked. So hold on, let me back up, Steve. Let me back up for a second. So, at what sure. age were you when when you got that call from ESPN? Well, let's see, um, early nineteen nineties, around my thirties. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, around my thirties. So you're not a kid. And I'm not a kid at this time. No. no. No, no, but still, really. look, there's a lot of people in their 30s that are still making a lot of mistakes. They're not actually willing to get out in front of it like you are at this point. So go ahead, keep going. Yeah, you have to make mistakes. Everybody, you know, in our society, everybody thinks that a mistake is a failure. Right. Um, a mistake is, or failure is more of a transition to something that's going to lead you to where you're going to be successful. Without question. Without question. Yeah, but you know what, Steve, is that something that we realize now as, as we get into our 50s? Is that something that, is that wisdom talking? I mean, because I, I think I see a lot of the younger kids, man, especially the millennials, they make a mistake and, and they're like hemophiliacs. You know, they, they bleed to death right on the spot. They can't handle yeah. it. Well, because uh, today's society is all about, I want it now. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I, I put up a YouTube uh, video, why doesn't it have a million hits? Right, right, well, exactly. You have, to, you have to work for that. You yeah. have to get it out there. You That's have to right. do it. That's exactly Don't right. Don't be afraid to fail. That's one of my main, um, you know, mantras in life. Tenet, yeah, absolutely. How many, how many times have success, every every successful person I've ever heard has failed upward? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I look, and I love that concept of failing upwards, failing forward. Uh, sometimes I tell people I fail great. You know, it just, it, it's a part of the, it, it's a part of the entrepreneur's journey if you're willing to take it. So let's go to, let's go to Vegas, you know, my old stomping ground. You know, I, I read that in your bio and I said, wait a second, wait, 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 I love this. I mean, this is classic textbook Trench University stuff right here. You mm -hmm. literally call Jason Garfield and, and you get this guy on the phone and in a nutshell, and you'll tell the story, but in a nutshell, he basically says, no, you got no team, you got no league, but hey, if you want to show up, you know, we'll give it a shot. Is that essentially right, right. how it happened? Yeah, that's um, well, that's with the zone ball goal. You would ask me like, where did I get that prototype for the zone ball goal? Yeah, roller, roller zone led to um, to zone ball. Me building the prototype of the zone ball goal in my garage in my house in Oceanside with my father, okay. who was the all star soccer player. Yeah, so I had this goal, okay, and then. I did a demo at a local college, and they said, well, we're going to buy it. I said, well, I'm not selling it. I'm trying to sell <laughs> the league. He goes, no, you should manufacture this. So then they sent me to a company called NASCO, and then the goal has been sold very successfully, zone ball goal, for over six years now. So I have this goal, but I don't have a league. Okay. Um, games are being played. Yeah. Games are actually being played in the U.K. right now and soon to be in Africa. I'll tell you more about that later. But um, I have this thing, and I'm working at a place as a promotions manager. It's an entertainment complex in Paramus called Humdingers. And I'm watching television, and I see on ESPN2, 
they're doing a day-long takeover of, e- and they're calling it ESPN 8, the Ocho, from the movie Dodgeball. Okay, yeah, and yeah. It's long, it's long been a dream of mine <laughs> to be on ESPN <laughs> 8, the Ocho. So I, I'm looking at this, I'm saying to myself, I'm going there. I don't care how I do it, I love I'm it. going there. I love I'm going to make this happen. And I called up Jason, exactly. That's how the phone call went. It was like, actually, it started off with an email. I said, I have this sport. And he was like, great. Um, well, you want to bring your league here? I said, I don't have a league. Said, okay. <laughs> how about two traveling teams? Uh, I don't have traveling yeah, no. teams. So he goes, okay. So we get on the phone. <laughs> and he goes, well, what do you want to do, Steve? I'm like, Jason, I want to get on a plane. I want to come to Vegas. And then I want to ship the zone ball goal and have it meet me there. And I want to show up and I want to be a demonstration game. I want to be a demonstration. I love it, man. I love it. You know what? And he's like, I love it. And we did it, you know, and like I I showed up and I I was there for three days um, by myself in Vegas at the Rio. And I'm a big fan of like the 70s Rat Pack and the 50s, 60s, 70s Rat Pack group. And um, just the whole feeling. It was was my very first time in Las Vegas. Oh, really? Wow. I spent a number of years there from uh, 2000 through uh, 2005. Oh, well, well yeah. definitely going to go back. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to leave the Rio because I was so focused on zone ball. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I are going to go back for a vacation soon. But Yeah, you want to stay three and a half days, not four or five years. Yeah, that's definitely not a place to <laughs> live. That's definitely a place to visit. Oh, my God. So it was, it was we're there, and like I said to Jason, all right, well, we have to get some players, and we're surrounded by all these other amazing sports that are brand new. So I went around to every sport. Jason helped me, went around to every sport, and we got a team together. Um, and we did like this, uh, the official zone ball championships. So it came down to me basically just saying, using my visualization saying, I want to go there. Yeah. I want to make this happen. Yep. Um, I'll figure it out as I go. And Steve, look, I think it's that spirit, you know, and we're going to go into your mindset in a minute here, because I think that's a lot of what our listeners are after, you know, what do I have to do? What do I have to do next? And I think oftentimes it's the easy thing right in front of their face, you know, just pick up the phone. And a lot of these people that seem so unavailable or so busy or so pressed for time really are quite happy to take a call from somebody like you, from somebody that's willing to reach out of their comfort zone and say, I've got a new game. I want to come to Las Vegas. I don't have a team. I don't have a league. I don't know anybody there, but I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to come there. There's something about that that really speaks to the human uh, to the human condition, to the to that yeah. individual, they want you to be successful. If you're willing to yeah. do that, they want you to succeed. So yeah, take us into your mindset that. on that. Take us into your mindset. You know, you've got no league, no players. You don't know anyone out there. You know, what are you thinking of at this point? Are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid of looking like an idiot? You know, what's your wife saying at this point? You know, what's the gen- <laughs> what's the general mindset? Because again, I think our listeners want to know. You know, what is somebody? you know, that that's really in the game. What are they thinking at the time they're doing? And I think a lot of times they think that they're fearless. And I would argue that, no, there's a lot of trepidation and fear, but you're just willing to get beyond it, whatever it takes. What was it, what was going on in your mind then? Two ways I, I kind of live my life. And first of all, thank you for all that. Um, number one, uh, make friends with your fear. Yeah. Follow the fear, as yep. they say in improv. Um, and number two, and this is how I actually got my wife, uh, state your intentions. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. When I when I first got my wife on our first date, she thought we were just going to go network because um, I invited her to a film that of mine that was premiering, and she goes, "Okay, well, should I meet you there?" I go, "No, this is a date. We're going out on a date now." I love it. I love so it. So you have <laughs> you have to actually state your intentions. There's a fine line between egotism and belief in yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I try very hard not to be a braggart 
or try to think I'm better than anybody else. I just, I find the one thing that I know I'm fully confident in and stay humble, but stay hungry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So obviously it sounds like you've got a spouse that supports you in your efforts. I know that, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, either the husband or the wife are, you know, out of whatever fear, uncertainty, doubt that they're going through are not necessarily supportive. You know, I've got friends that they, God forbid, they even utter those words that I'm going to start a company or I'm going to do something different. or I'm going to start taking guitar lessons and, you know, put a band together. You know, their spouses fall apart. I mean, so it sounds like you had a lot of love and support on that end. I do, and it's also, I mean, I've heard a lot of also in the past motivational speakers say stuff, and I agree with most of it, which is like, you got to go for it. You got to drop everything in the world, and if yeah. you do that, that's great. I've always taken a more practical approach, whereas, listen, I need to cover my responsibilities in this partnership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, make time for that dream. And a lot of people. Uh, will fail, which is fine. Yeah. If they just drop everything and leave and, and go, then they've been very successful and some have actually failed. But it comes down to an understanding and a respect for whoever's in this partnership with you. Yeah. And when Helena, that's her name, Helena, saw that I really wanted this badly, and she's seen, she's actually been through the history. She's, I call her the flaws, the first lady of Zoneball. Um, <laughs> Everybody deserves a first lady. That's great. First Lady of Zombo. I love it. Um, she saw the passion that I had for this. She knew how much this meant to me because my father passed away from Alzheimer's about a few years ago. I'm and sorry he was the that. one who was my idol. And he built the Zombo goal with me. So she knew how much I was invested in this. And she was like, go, go and, and show them. Show them who you are. Yeah. And just make it happen. That's amazing. So every day on the phone, I mean, I called her three or four times a day. And to have that, you know, that belief, to have that trust, to have that, um, you know, there's nothing like it. There's, there's, you feel like you could literally run through any wall pot, whatever you have to do. When you have that kind of support from your spouse, there's no greater feeling in the world. None. Right. And it's, and it's good to have also, but also it's good to have that understanding that, you know, you know something, I'm going to take care of what I need to take care of financially or whatever I can, but then we're going to, it's also like, it's a calculated shot. It's a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. You're going to go, I'm going to make this happen. If it doesn't, you know, achieve the desired results. Okay. Take a little step back, go out, make some more money, come back, try again. Mm-hmm. So that's how I approach it. That's my approach. Other people have different approaches. But I think this is all about finding out what's best for you. Yeah, and I agree. And I think a lot, a lot of people, they've got a negative feedback loop that really, that, that's constantly on repeat and they're psyching themselves out of any opportunity because they do feel like it's all in, it's all or nothing. Yeah. You know, I right. got to do this. I got one shot at this. I got to make it happen. You know, look, in the third quarter, I would contend that, you know what, you don't have a whole lot of time. So, you know, yeah. you better start taking your shot now. Uh, you know, how many more Christmases do we have at this age? Mm-hmm. So you better start taking your shot now. But I think they feel honestly like I got to go all in. I got to take all the chips. I got to put it all on red, all on black, yeah. whatever the case may be. And that's just not the case. You know, you can actually, and I, and I think that holds a lot of people back. You can actually take concerted, clear steps toward your goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever they may be. Use your use your um, your career GPS. Yeah, you know um, you don't know how you're going to get there unless you have a destination, and you may take a, a wrong turn somewhere, but that GPS is going to correct you. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. so don't you you are listen. 
you are going to fail. It's okay. Yeah. So take what you learn from that and then go forward. And don't worry about it so much because if you worry about it, you're projecting and you're creating all these negative scenarios. How about you use that visualization to, cre- to create positive scenarios? Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? There are so many people that are in the sales industry that, you know, they're using positive visualizations. They're doing all kinds of things to increase sales, to do, you know, whatever performance they need to achieve in their job. And yet they fail to actually turn that high power perception and use those visualizations on themselves. Yeah. And they do it to, for every other part of their lives. And they say, yeah, well, that's different. Well, yeah. no, I don't think it is. Yeah. You know, I really don't think it is. I think it's the same thing. I said, you either visualize yourself moving forward, achieving that goal, doing what you set out to do, or you remain stuck. And I think that's right. where, you know, a lot of people are, uh, especially those in, you know, the 50, 60, 70 year old uh, demographic. There's a lot of bitter people in this demographic. Um, some of it, you know, is completely understandable because they feel like they got passed over. But no matter what you do, and you're right, that 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 clock is definitely ticking, and that's also yeah. uh, another motivator. And uh, you know, you find yourself saying, you know, just like you said, if not now, when? Yeah. You really have to give it that shot. Absolutely. Um, you know why? Because why I, you, you wind up getting to an age where yeah. you're not looking back and reminiscing. You're actually talking about the other R word, regret. Yeah. You look back with regret. And, and I got to tell you, my mother-in-law is at one of those um, Maris Grove facilities. It's like a cruise ship on land. And it's fantastic. I mean, they have everything. They have dining halls and they have restaurants and they've got a hair salon and gyms and pools and tennis courts, all, everything all indoors. You don't have to go anywhere. It could be three feet of snow on the ground and they're totally good to go. However, when I walk around that place and I talk to some of these people and I ask them, you know, Hey, you know, you're, you're at a certain age in your life now where you're, you're winding down, you're 88, you're 92, you're 93. You know, what, what do you think about the life that you lived? And you would be amazed. No, I don't think you would be amazed that the majority actually start off with, well, I, you know, I wish I, 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 you know, I could have done things that I wish I would have. And so there's a lot of coulda, shoulda, woulda, and, and it's very few and far between that actually start off with. Oh, it was, it's been an amazing ride. You know what? If I, if I died tonight, I would be a happy, happy human being to have lived this life that I've lived. I just don't hear it all that much. And, and I don't know, I don't know what to do. And I really hope that this show helps those that really don't want to be at that point when they're 88. Cause I can't imagine anything sucking more than being 88 years old and knowing in your heart of hearts I am too old to do anything about it now. At 58, no way. At 68, no way. Even 70, no way. But at 88, I'm sorry. You're you're not starting a new business. You're not joining a band. You're not doing any of that. You're just riding at the clock, unfortunately. I think a lot of people are going to be listening also, and and they're going to try to rationalize, you know, when you say stuff like that, and we're both saying some really positive stuff to themselves, they're probably thinking, well, okay, well, they're saying that, they're just saying that, and they have to say that to say that, and they don't understand what my situation is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a person who completely understands that situation. I am a person who is not um, pie in the sky, uh, you know, let's just do, let, you know, the universe will show me the way. No, it's like I'm, I'm more practical, but in the sense of if I keep staying positive and kind of get those negative thoughts out of my head, um, I know things are going to happen only because I am getting proactive to make them happen. That's right. Even if they're not exactly what you set out to do, oftentimes it's not the case. 
You know, what you set out to do and what it ultimately winds up evolving into or becoming are different things. Maybe not dramatically different, but it's not exactly what you, and you have to allow for that. I think a lot of people, they're so rigid when they come out and they're going to do something. They stay so focused, so hard. They're they're not, they're afraid to pivot or just alter or move or adjust. And look, in life, you're going to have to pivot, move, alter and adjust. It's just that, it's, it's that simple. If I, if I just stood there and, and saw the Moxie games on television and said to myself, eh, I can't get Zoneball out there. That's a stupid idea. Right. I, I still would have, I, I wouldn't be talking to you. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right, Steve. You know, and that's what I love. Again, that's that, that's that, that core textbook trench you, uh, you know, style is just pick up the phone, you know, yeah. knock on the door. You know, I, yeah. I don't care if you're a real estate agent or what have you, you know, pick up the phone, knock on the door, you know. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Can you take us into the mindset of what you think these people go through when they when they don't do that or they're afraid to do that? What are they afraid of? What do you think? Well, like the the ongoing you know thought, which is failure, um, being made fun of, um, being embarrassed. Um, and did you, being an inventor, did you have any of those thoughts? Um, let's see. I can't say that I did. I just kind of followed the muse. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it just mm-hmm. felt like you have one of those things where it's like, I mean, every creative person I've ever spoken to is like, I just have to do this. Yeah, exactly. It's you not know? a choice, it's, right? I, I've, it's almost like I've been chosen to do this. I have to do this. I have to. And, yeah. You know, some people see it as like you know divine. Some people see it as just inspirational. I just see it as, listen, this is in my brain, and I want to make it happen. I want to make it a reality so I can take a look at it. Yeah. And, you know, I've written plays and I've written, you know, um, movies and, and all sorts of other stuff. And it started with just an idea in my head and I just wanted to get it outside of my head so I could take a look at it and then keep playing with it. Yeah, exam- examine it, look at it, adjust, you know, shift or whatever you have to do and, and go back at it. But I think that's the part that really, I don't know, when people, when they get that first shot of rejection and it's heavy and they put themselves out there and they have their, you know, they put literally put their heart and soul into this, whether it's a business, whether it's a song that they've written or a book or an article or anything, they put it out there. And, and that, that long face of, of, I don't know what this is, or I don't really like it. It's crushing. I mean, and sometimes those defeats are just ones that they never come back from. Well, as we get older, um, we no longer care. Yeah. Well, we shouldn't. Well, we shouldn't. You know what, Steve? We shouldn't care. You know, and I always like to say, and my buddy Jules Falcone came up with this. I'm not going to take his words, but, you know, he's taking the reverse gear out of the transmission. You know, you hit a certain age. It's like, man, I don't back up anymore. I'm just moving forward. I just got to get to where I'm going. And, uh, you know, that, that's something where you're absolutely right. Yeah, any any creative outlet, anything that you do creative, there is going to be a certain segment of that population who doesn't doesn't like it. Yeah, and if they don't like it and they're vocal about it, good for them. Yeah, exactly. Is, you can say whatever you need to say, and I will listen. Some I may agree with, some I may not. But you know something, you had a difference of opinion, and no matter how you came at me with that difference of opinion, I'm just going to listen and go, okay, maybe I'll argue, maybe I won't, but this is what I did, and then that's all there is, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to be afraid to put it out there. I'm sure that people, some, some people may look at zone ball and say, well, I don't like that sport. I'll be like, okay, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't mean anything. Okay. Right. Yeah. means absolutely nothing. 
You know, I got 17 other sports I could show you. Yeah, exactly. So getting back to zone ball, you know, when I look at that, uh, Steve, I really, I, at first I had buddies, I didn't play soccer and I know you did and I know your dad was yeah. a pro. Uh, yeah. My buddies played soccer. I didn't, but it, it reminded me of, um, what's the game that they would play kind of warming up? Um, uh, it was two words. Um, keep away. Keep away. Is that it? Keep away. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, that's, there, that's, that's, that's what you just said right there is another example of how I learned from something I created. Okay. You know, I, uh, I'd never heard someone compare it to keep away. I've heard people compare it to like basketball with a goal in the center. Yeah. You know? but, but again, again, my very uneducated uh, notion, I'm not a soccer player. So I would yeah. see something or hear something and I say, oh, is that what that is? So that would be my interpretation, not being somebody from the sports world. I'm from the music right. world, but not the sports world. So that would be my interpretation of it. Okay. That's yeah. fine too. Because is, is it inaccurate? Is, is there any, is there any, is there anything that's an overlap there or not? Well, I think in keep away, it's more like, you know, you're, you're trying to hold on to the ball. This one, we're trying to, like, pass it around, take a shot on goal. Okay. You know, yeah. and the sport basically, uh, I, I came up with general ideas for the rules, and the more we played it, the more the sport, the sport taught me how it should be played. Like, dribbling was really not part of the sport when I first started it. There's more, it was more of a catch-and-throw mm-hmm. type of game. But then people wanted to move, and I saw somebody pat it forward. And I thought, well, okay, why don't we just dribble it yeah. to move it forward as a game dynamic, or dribble it. And then I said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be basketball as much as I respect the sport. But double dribbling is not in basketball. Let's make double dribbling allowed. Mm-hmm. However, the ball is passed and moved forward. So then the sport was taught me how to play. Yeah, the game, and that's what happens. Start it in a general, vague idea, and then keep playing it and keep playing it. Once again, to my point earlier, what we just talked about, you know, where you start off and where it evolves to are oftentimes, you know, while similar, kind of different. And in this case, right. that's true. You're evolving. You're 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 looking at the sport as to what it could be. How do we improve upon it? To me, it actually seems like a great fit for a social sports league. That's one thing that when I looked at a game, I saw some of the video online and I said, man, oh man, that to me seems like a perfect fit for a social sports league to, to have that game. I mean, they've got ridiculous games like cornhole and stuff like that. And I thought this is so much more uh, mature, I think, and, and a, a fun, more engaging sport that really yeah. gets the heart beating, gets, you know, that camaraderie that it just seems to be a perfect match. What are your thoughts I, on that? I, I would love to make this a social sport. It was created uh, as a sport that many people can play. That's why men and women can play at the same time. Yeah. That's why it's a non-contact sport. Um, that's why it's a game that's easy to learn. Mm-hmm. And also it starts with variation. So we have the dribble version. We have the throw and catch version. I want to see a wheelchair version. Um, that's fascinating. Athlete. You know what? That is, re- you know, look, for as long as I can remember, I've had a fear being a drummer, professional drummer, my whole life touring musician. I've yeah. had a fear of being, it's, it's obviously irrational, but I had a fear of being in a wheelchair for my whole yeah. life. And then in yeah. 2011, I got hit by a car as a pedestrian walking across the street in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. And subsequently found myself in a wheelchair for a year, nursing wow. 64 fractures, uh, subdural hematoma, bleeding on the brain, orbital sockets crushed, you know, partially blind. Wow. It was, it was horrific. And suddenly I'm in this wheelchair and I'm thinking, hmm, this isn't so bad. And I'm thinking, you know, if, if I got jammed up from the waist down, now neck down, that's a different story. But waist down, I was like, this is kind of doable. And it was really strange because I, I never really, uh, look, Steve, I'll just tell you this. Jill and I, my wife, Jill, we would go to dinner and I was so freaked out about this, you know, being a drummer, you need all your limbs. Every, every one of them's got to work. And Rick Allen's made it work phenomenally with just three, but you really need four. And if I were on the opposing side of somebody sitting in a wheelchair, I would make Jill switch seats with me. Wow. 
it was yeah, it was it was in the, in my psyche that much. And then when I spent the year in the wheelchair, I was like, man, this is this is cool in the gang. You know, you can make an adjustment here. And and there's a lot of studies and a lot of focus groups done over the years where people that have been in horrible accidents that wound up being that way actually did after a period of dipping, you know, their mental well being dipped and all of that. But after a while, it came back. And uh, you know, that was something that I that I found that was interesting when I looked at this sport. I even thought that as well that it could be a wheelchair sport. I mean, I, I've been I've been following wheelchair athletes for a very long time. I actually played against a wheelchair athlete named Douglas King, and there's a video of it on my YouTube channel. And he goes, "Steve, get in the wheelchair and play." And he just, you know, he he beat me big time. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was absolutely. So, he was so good, and that was great to like you know learn you know how to do it because it gave me a, um, a literal different perspective. Yeah. And I've seen like wheelchair basketball. I've seen you know wheelchair rugby and, and football and stuff like that. And I wanted to create something that ebbs and flows. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, in zone ball, when the defense gets the ball, they have to take it back to the outside line. So there's constant motion. Yeah. And that would be perfect for wheelchair. Athletes. Without question. You know, See, let me so, ask you, is zone ball funded? Well, right now, um, I'm currently looking for business partners. Okay. Uh, to help make that happen. I mean, it's all about finding the right people who have done this. You mentioned the social sports leagues in the past. Yeah. I've spoken to several sports leagues and they say, well, we don't know what zone ball is. And I go, well, it's this. And they go, well, who's playing it? So that conversation kind of devolves into nowhere. So I'm looking to meet the right business people who understand how to take something new or even how to take something that is marketable. I mean, I've already proven that because it's been on ESPN too, on two different shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I know what I know. And you get to a point, too, where it's like, I don't want to fake knowing what I don't know. And some people may say, well, go ahead, give it a shot, just do it, you'll learn along the way. And I did say that previously myself. But there are certain things when you get to a point where I want to meet people who know what they're doing in the sense of marketing, negotiation, Mm -hmm. uh, branding. Because it's a brand, I mean, it's one brand new sport of like many that I have. So am I funded right now? No, but it's like I'm funded in the sense of, I have all of this stuff that I've done in the past that is proven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have the sport. You know, so, the sport is my currency right now. Without question. So the, the next question for you is, is, are you looking to raise capital from investors or actually find a partner or maybe both? Even if I did raise capital, I would still need a business partner or an agency to help me spend it the right way. Okay. So I'm not really looking for capital at the moment, but I am looking for the right agency, um, the right uh, management company, even a sports agent who would know what to do with it or know how to approach the right people. Because, you know, I could get um, a sponsor, sure. But then when you get that sponsor, who is going to help me spend that the correct way? You know, that's why people always say to me, Steve, go on Shark Tank, go on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go on Shark Tank without a business person by my side. Yeah. Okay. So, so would you say you're more the creative type? You're the visionary creative type, but maybe not necessarily day to day operations, uh, negotiating, finance, things like that. That might not be in your wheelhouse. I'm the idea man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the the guy who comes up. I'm the guy who's going to constantly create new sports or or come up with new ideas, and then I need to pass it off to somebody who's going to implement those ideas. And to me, that just sounds prudent. Yeah. There's no question about it. Listen, if you're self-aware enough to know that those are shortcomings of of you know what your personality is and is not, you have to you have to respond and you have to listen to your your heart and gut and say listen in your head and say that's not what I'm good at. So there's a lot of successful successful people out there that do that. You know. I always quote uh, Kevin Smith, who is, you know, 
uh, a Jersey guy too, and he surrounds himself with the right people. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Take care of it. Yep. You can do that. Um, when I was younger, I, I used to write um, interactive movies for a company for what called Interfilm. And there was a guy who was in charge, and he was the person who invented interactive films. But he surrounded himself with all of his business partners. Yeah. So he could just be himself. So what I'm looking for right now is to surround myself with those business people. All right, so let's unpack this in a, in a different way. Let's let's look at it from the, the standpoint of the audience or our listeners and, and what they may be thinking about and what they may be going through. They may be the exact same way saying, look, I'm the idea guy or gal, but you know what? Operationally, I, I just, I'm not going to be able to get this over the goal line. Uh, and mm. even if I do, it won't be as successful as it could be otherwise. So if we unpack right. it from the, from the standpoint of the listener, somebody that's, that's 40, 50, 60, even 70, that's got an idea. They are the idea guy or gal, but they don't have that. You know, we have to look inward, right? Backwards to ourselves because we don't have that person just yet. And and I think a lot of times that's the wall that someone would hit. They have the product. They've gotten it through the prototype standpoint. They've gotten it into the marketplace. They've gotten a little bit of exposure. They don't find that other piece. And then days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months. And next thing you know, three years have gone by and they've done nothing with it. So if we back this up and I look at you, writer, producer, I've seen some of the stuff on YouTube. I, I know that you're, you're definitely skilled in front and behind the camera. Thanks. How did I find you? I found you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly my point. Yeah. How did you find me? I saw your ad. Exactly. Steve, yeah. have you ever produced an ad for Zone Ball? As it relates to finding an, a partner. Not an investor. You know, I, I have, but it, it hasn't been seen in as many things as it should be. I mean, there was the Zone Ball Sport commercial that was on ESPN too, and that led people to my website. Yeah. Well, guess what? This is actionable item. This is takeaway number one right here. If yeah. I were you, I would make a video and I would run an ad on Facebook. Yeah. Game Inventor Seeks Partner. Then make another video. Second video with slightly different language, a different maybe heading, different, you know, something else seeks partner just to see if you're testing and measuring and seeing which messaging is working for 25, 30 bucks an ad. You can find out. Mm -hmm. And look, I would drill down and I would not look for a partner that's outside of your local area. I just would not. I think that would be a waste of time to find a guy in LA that was going to be your partner. I just don't know that that would have the same impact as somebody that was nearby. You could meet up, you could touch the product, play the product, you know, get together, present to these leagues. And by the way, I'm going to go back for takeaway number two. I think there's, there's something in these uh, social uh, sports leagues. I think there's something there for sure. But Ben, Mm -hmm. you know, staying on this, Stay local. When you get into Facebook ads, I'm not sure if you've created any recently, but you know, you can really, really drill down and make them super targeted, hyper local, exact match, right down to political preference, age, level of education, you name it. So there's somebody out there right now that is 40, 50, 60, 70 years old saying, you know what? I am, I am tired of being the glue that holds my company together. I've got more to give. I've got more in my heart that I, I just feel, I feel constrained. I can't, it's just like, I got to get out of this right, right message, right place, right ears. And you've got yourself a partner. And I would do that. I would make it a short, a very short 30 second uh, ad. And I would just like, I found you like you found me. Right. That's exactly what I would do. That's exactly what I would do. And you know what? You don't have to spend a lot of money. Look, you are so far ahead, more so than most, because you have the production experience. Yeah. 
You could turn the camera on yourself. You could run these clips. I'm sure you run either Premiere or Final Cut or something like that for editing software. So you don't have to pay to do that, right? I actually use iMovie, believe it or not. Even better. Even better. So that's something our listeners, look, listeners, iMovie is free. Okay, you don't have to pay a dime. So right now, we're looking at getting you down the path to finding your partner, the ideal partner, and you're going to spend literally less than 100 bucks, and you're going to be able to run three to four ads to get some data points. Look, I think for every $25, you're probably reaching somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 3,000 people, depending on how well that ad performs. If you have 10,000 people that you've reached with a message, I think you could start to craft a tighter message on that first 75 to hundred bucks, go into the next hundred dollars, tighten right. up the message. Eventually you're going to find that person. Cause I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't advertise this in a, um, like amusement today, or I think it used to be called amusement business, but now it's called amusement today. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put a biz op ad in, in the paper or anything like that. I would absolutely use Facebook. The fastest growing demo is, is our demo. They're an, an older. So the people are there. The eyeballs are there. The attention is there. And and right now, it's still incredibly cheap to advertise on Facebook. It really yeah. is. So no, I agree with you. I mean, it's all about visual. It's all about getting to the point. Um, I've been doing stuff on LinkedIn as of late. and I've Yes, been it's another great platform. Yep. Yeah. I run the same ad. I, I create the same ad, and I run it on that platform as well. It's gotten more uh, Facebook-ish in a way, um, it has, when it comes yeah. to posting things, which is, I think, uh, I think is better, more functionality that way. Yeah. Um, also doing, I mean, like, you know, uh, you're my first podcast interview for this specific campaign that I'm doing. So I want to talk to people. And then since I have this, you know, understanding of podcasts and, and interviews and, and I've done stuff in the past, you don't know. Nobody knows until you tell them exactly what you are looking for. That's right. And But Steve, that's what I'm saying to you. You understand, as a writer and a producer, you understand how to craft a message that's absolutely going to speak that right message to the right set of ears at the right time right. and you've got your partner. And you have right. the ability to do that. And I wonder, I would love to see you come back. And, and look, I just don't want this to be a one and done here. You know what I mean? Like we have one conversation and oh yeah Steve Strange was somebody we had on the show a couple of years ago I'd like for you to come back you know literally and stop by the Facebook page every month or two and say hey Doug just checking in and I would like for other people that where your story resonates with them I would like for them to be able to go back and ask you a question you know I'd be so down yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll link up your contact later, you know, in, yeah. in the show notes and all that. So the second takeaway for that I would think here would be a really, really big play here. And it might yeah. be your biggest play. If you have the chutzpah to get on a plane and go to Vegas, think about mm. think about the sheer terror that that would strike in the, in the hearts of <laughs> most human beings, right? I'm going to Vegas. I don't know anybody. I have no team. I have no league. I'm going to look yeah. like the biggest idiot at these games, <laughs> and but yet I'm doing it, and you did it. Why? If you just Google, uh, what, what is the phrase? What are they called? Social sports again? I already forgot already. It's just social sports. Yeah, yeah. They, okay. They're called social sports leagues. So, yeah. so type, type social sports leagues near me. I guarantee there'll be dozens of them that show up. And you know what? I would run a video. I'd make another video or I'd just go out there. They can't be far. Listen, Steve, if they have cornhole, seriously, they have cornhole. Just the name, enough is enough to make you laugh. By the way, these leagues, they're not regulated in any way, are they? I don't know anything about them. Um, I did some research on them. I mean, obviously, they try to keep some regulations in there, but it's mainly just let's go out and have some fun and move around. Okay, so there's really no sanctions of these sports or regulatory uh, body or governing body, anything like that? I think there's the SSIA, 
Um, but uh, they're all basically mainly local, independent. That's leagues. what I would think. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so why wouldn't you just go out to the local guy or gal that's running that league and say, "Look, I just want you to try it. Mm-hmm. I just, if you hate it, we we won't revisit it again. You'll never have to look at it again." But I want, if, in other words, this is where I'm having a bit of a disconnect because somebody with your again your your I don't want to say it here, but man, you're, you know what I'm going to say. I know what you're going to say. For you to go out there and do that, that's the hardest part. And I would think that sometimes what's right under our nose is something that we, we oftentimes overlook. You know, the old saying, even Jesus didn't make it in his own hometown. So, mm-hmm. you know, why not go to a half a dozen of these local ones? Probably within an hour's drive, you might have at least three, four or five in an hour's drive. Well, I, sh- I should tell you that um, the Boys and Girls Clubs of America here, the local chapter here in Clifton, um, they want to start playing Zomball. Why aren't and they playing it? They are, well, they played one. They played, they played one game, and then um, we had to take a break because there was some reorganiz- reorganization going on. But I recently spoke uh, to the guy in charge. He's like, we're going to get you back because I actually volunteered my time. I went through the whole process and went through a background check on the whole deal. So I am an official volunteer for the Boys and Girls Clubs. So um, we're going to start there, you know. I love it. And then, I love it. Yeah, see where it goes. I mean, that, that could explode nationally. Absolutely. A That's what I'm thinking. And you know what? At that point, listen, you could grab a partner. I think you're going to find your partner on Facebook. If you get into these social sports leagues, I think that's your home run. I think that's your play because that's the place that's literally going to expose it to people all over the country. Uh, and after yeah. that, you head over to across the pond. I mean, this thing could really start to blow up. But if you get into those leagues where these people are having fun, let's back up to the earlier part of our conversation. Okay. What did we talk about before with the younger generation? They're they're literally locked on their phones and all that. I would say that right now, if there was ever a time that something like social sports leagues would absolutely flourish and and really benefit from a sport like zone ball. It's right yeah. now. It's right now yeah. because these millennials have literally no idea how to interact outside of a text message. I hear you. I think it's a broad generalization, maybe not all of them. So let's not get a lot of hate mail and all that stuff. But, but for the most part, these millennials literally, I think would gravitate to something like this where it's just fun because think about it. We grew up playing kick the can, right? Yeah. We were doing all kinds of things like that. They weren't. Yeah. They were on yeah. their phones. They yeah. were inside playing video games. So I think yeah. that's that's a part where they, I think, would really have an opportunity to connect. Have you ever asked a millennial, and I've got three kids, so I have three daughters, and yeah. you ask them about dating and things like that, and, and they'll say, well, you know, I don't know, that that's kind of awkward. And I said, I don't know, in my day, you just walked up to somebody and said, listen, I think you're attractive, you know, uh, I don't know, listen, I don't know if this is a great rap or not, but I think you're attractive, <laughs> you, you might be a nice person, uh, you know, let's go have a, a coffee or a beer or whatever, and, right, you know, right. what, what can they, what's the worst they're going to say? No, and, right. and that, that idea alone is yeah. enough to send them scaring. So gotcha. something like zone ball, a game like that, where they're getting together, it's the camaraderie. It's not about the competition. I don't think, I think it's about the camaraderie. Yeah, if they're yeah. getting together, you know what? I, I just think it's a perfect time. And I would actually, I would make that part of my pitch to these local sports leagues. Even singles leagues. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. I totally yeah. agree. I mean, I think two things here, Steve, there's no reason that with the timing of where we are and what we're talking about on the show today, that yeah. literally by this time next year, you wouldn't be on the show. And I hope you're back on the show way before then. But mm-hmm. I don't think that that within six months, by the spring of next year, 
that you shouldn't be at least in a couple of dozen, maybe three dozen leagues across the nation. Well, I appreciate that, but it also depends on me, you know, getting out there and and doing it too. I mean, it all comes down to that. I mean, aside from doing this, I would love to do a speaking tour, you know, to be a not a lecturer, but more of a speaker, a public speaker, because I actually did that when when I was in Las Vegas. They gave me 20 minutes, and I was on stage, and I just told the story of Zone Ball, and it felt right, because I used my stand-up comedy stuff and my public speaking. I also host trivia shows, so I'm not afraid to be in front of a crowd. Um, But wait a second, but which is it? But what what do you want more? Do you want to be a speaker, or do you want to be the, the inventor of Zone Ball? I want the whole thing. I want you know to use everything that I know how to do to advance that one sport, zone ball. But then let people know that zone ball really is just the beginning because I have so many other sports. I currently have three other sports out there in the world, and I have about twenty to twenty-five more on the drawing board. Look, I love but, the fire. I love the enthusiasm. You are pumped, man. Steve, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. If you're comfortable sharing I, with it, you can share, but if you don't, I got no problem. I'm, I'm 55. I love it, man. Listen, see, yeah. you've got more fire in your belly than most 25 year olds do. And you're right. out there, but, but maybe what I'm seeing a little bit is, is that you're, I, I would get zeroed in on putting this thing in as many leagues as I possibly can, because at that point you're going to be able to start going out and speaking about, listen, yeah. we started out with three leagues. We are now in 36 leagues across the nation. That oh. is a massive narrative right there to get behind that. People will get behind that. And and I even think that you could probably do that without the partner. I really do. Okay. If you're willing you. to show, if you're willing to show up in Vegas and that's, what's got me about this, that's the yeah. hardest part. I mean, I know so many people that have talked a big game and didn't do it. And trust me, I know what it's like because I moved a family to Las Vegas to bring the show. Fantastic voyage from Atlantic wow. city. I woke up one day after seven years and I said, "Hun, this is not the entertainment capital of the world. We need to move to Las Vegas. Literally, Steve, I kid you not literally in six months we were living in Las Vegas. And we stayed there five years and I moved the kids, everybody, the whole bit, the band, the show, everybody, it was insanity. So I understand when you take that risk and you go out there and do that, I think this, uh, it's right in front of you here. And I would love to see you get a dozen or more of these things under your belt. Cause I think at that point, when people are playing this, you can, you can tell people until you're blue in the face. It's when other people are getting online and they're sharing their videos and they're sharing it on TikTok and they're sharing it on Snapchat and they're sharing it on all the other social platforms about them playing it. That's when it starts to take off. And that's when those directors and those, those heads of those leagues start calling you and saying, how do I get zone ball in my league? We're getting asked for it. So I've seen, I've seen some of the videos already from a lot of the, um, uh, the high school or or grade school teachers who have bought the sport, they actually put up some YouTube videos and I've seen, some of the videos and the feeling is amazing. You Absolutely. Know, even out in the UK, because uh, CB Active Sports Limited, uh, my friend Conrad out there, he um, contacted me you know, through Facebook and said he wanted to play Zone Ball. We did a, a campaign to raise money to get a Zone Ball goal out there, and now it's being played by underprivileged kids. See, and that's that amazing. Was, you know, an amazing thing. And now the next target is Africa. There's a company, Sports Aid Network, uh, and it's going to be you know, Lugazi community. They they want to start playing zone ball as well. So it's like, it's amazing knowing that something that I created is is being used in a beneficial way to keep kids off the streets. Um, get them playing, get them active, and that's amazing. Well, absolutely, and I think that's one side of it, but also the social aspect of it is really something. You know, when 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 the younger generations are having difficulty, you know, going on dates and just doing normal things that we grew up because we didn't have any other distraction. There was no other. There was nothing else right. to do but to do that. Right. 
And right, so right. I think there's that side. There's so many, there's so many positive sides of this. Uh, and it's not just a sport. It's not just an activity. There's so much more in terms of the social uh, component of this that I think it's really huge, but I do really think that it starts in your backyard. I think if you can get one or two or three of these, look, I'll make you a deal. Go. I'll make you a deal. Okay. If you promise to reach out to everybody near you okay. and ask them if they, if you can come out and show them, because if you're willing to fly to Vegas, you're willing to go down the street to, to, you know, do a demonstration and have some kids play or do whatever. If you're willing to reach out to them, I will share this interview with every single one of the people near me and beyond as many as I can find. And I will share that with them and ask them if they will have you come out and demonstrate the game. I will find a way to make that happen. Cause I think Steve, I really think this could take off. And if, if you have other people, that's the key. Steve Strangio could talk to his blue in the face about how great zone ball is. But the moment you have a 23 or 25 or 28 year old or 30 or 40, I don't care. 15 year old when they're yep. sharing that on TikTok and, and, and uh, Snapchat and any other platform, that's yep. when it starts to catch a gear. It that's really the does. Of social media. That's, yeah, the, I, that's why it's like now is the perfect time in the history of, of everything to introduce something new because absolutely without question without question i'm fired up man steve i am really excited for what you're going to be doing here uh i'm excited that you know you've come on the show today you've shared this with with your story uh with everybody you know you've definitely shown our listeners uh, you know it's never too late right it's never too late i appreciate that and thanks for the opportunity it's good to have programs like yours to give people like me a chance to tell their story. Absolutely, Steve. So I hope you'll stop by the Facebook page once in a while. Just check in. Uh, let us know you've got Zone Ball and maybe 20 new leagues. I would love to see that. I am going to share this with as many people in leagues as I possibly can. You know, we're, we're going to stay engaged with you, right? I want to go along on this journey with you. We're not going to just have this podcast and then we're going to be, you know, a, a distant memory. So, Steve, we're going to be checking in. Like, you may get a phone call, you know, in the middle of the day and I might have some other guest on the show and we may call you and I may say, wait a second, you're talking about inventing something? I got a guy who's an inventor. He's done it. He's doing it. And we may give you a call and just bring you right back on the show. I understand that. I got a guy. I'll be your guy. Yeah, exactly. You got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> like uh, Vic, Di, what's his name? Vic DiDometto or what? I forget his name. DiDometto, yeah. DiDometto, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's hysterical. <laughs> he's hysterical. Hey, Steve, before I let you go, where can listeners find out more about you, Zone Ball, possible partnerships, investment opportunities? So let's talk about the Zone Ball uh, website. It is uh, Zone Ball Sport. So Zone is spelled like it always is, Z-O-N-E. Zone Ball Sport, the singular, dot com. So go there, zoneballsport.com. And if you want to find out more about me, it's stevestrangioproductions.com. Now, I always hear, oh, how do you spell your last name, Steve? So it's S-T-R-A-N-G-I-O. So stevestrangioproductions.com. And you get to see all the stuff I'm doing for Roku and, uh, and other streaming platforms. And if you want to go to Steve's Trivia, uh, the link will be on there as well. But just search for Steve's Trivia on your podcast app and I'm doing lots of really cool trivia games there as well. I just, I can't stop inventing games. I love it. But Steve, I want this one game, but I want Zone Ball big. I want Zone Ball. I want somebody to come to me and say, oh my God, I just got back. I played Zone Ball. Do you remember when the axe throwing started to really take off about a year and a half, two years ago? Just talking about that with my wife. I'm like, babe, we got to go and throw some axes. Okay. So guess what? I can't wait till somebody says to me, hey, I, we got to go play Zone Ball. I'm telling you right now, when that happens, and I'm telling you, Steve, if you go local, hyper-local, you're going to find your partner, and you're going to start this fire. This fire starts from one league. One league takes it, then the next league takes it, and the next league takes it, and it's going to blow up. 
So look, we want our listeners to stay engaged as well. If you're listening right now and you have a question for Steve or me, head over head over to our Facebook page at Third Quarter Gut Check. Leave us a message. Ask you know Steve anything, right? Steve, will you stop by and answer a question once in a while? Ask me anything. I love it. I love it, man. Well. <laughs> This is all good stuff, man. That's it for this episode. If uh, Steve's story resonated with you, comment below. Head over to our Facebook page, Third Quarter Gut Check. If you know anybody in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s that would appreciate the show, please share it with them. Until next time, I'm Doug Taylor. And remember, you guys are battle-tested and life-approved. And you surely don't need anyone's permission to start living the lives you were born to live. The Third Quarter Gut Check is sponsored by Trench University. Battle-tested, life-approved. To be a guest on the show, call 215-315-3148. That's 215-315-3148. Or send us an email to thirdquartergutcheck at gmail.com. That's 3rdquartergutcheck at gmail.com.